Hello, and thanks for listening to this conversation with Bill Maddox. My name is Tom Oxenreiter. The purpose of this conversation is to encourage us as we all navigate what it is to be faithful Christ followers in these challenging times. Many of you may not be familiar with either of us. Both of us are members of Fellowship Churches. Bill Maddox and his wife, Nora, attend Fellowship Weaverville, and my family attends Fellowship Asheville. We're grateful that we were encouraged to do this interview by lead pastor Fred Baker and elder Josh Montgomery. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about Bill. Bill serves as a managing chair for C12. In his role, Bill supports Christian business leaders through peer advisory groups. Prior to serving in C12, Bill owned an architectural practice in Florida for 20 years. From his vantage point and experience, Bill is someone that can lend some perspective to these times. Okay, let's get to the conversation. Bill, thanks for your time. Hey, Tom. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to our conversation. I appreciate your invitation. So let's start um, by talking about this idea of seeing work as ministry and that connection between our faith in Christ and our work. And so how do you see that? How do you understand how, how your faith connects to your work? Mm. It's a uh, it's an excellent question. One that, you know, frankly, I've uh, I've pondered on and thought on and and uh, wrestled with for thirty years or more. Um, I I feel like this is probably one of our greatest challenges as followers of Christ is to figure out uh, what this question really means and to to live a life that uh, honors Christ. I I know that. Um, Early on in my own life, I, I grew up in a Christian home, and my dad was a, a, a minister, ordained minister, and my two older brothers were also ordained ministers. And um, I decided when I got to the age of starting to think about what I wanted to do with my life, uh, decided to go in quite a different direction, decided I wanted to be an architect. And uh, coming from a household of ministers, that kind of felt different. And I, I not because of anything they said or did, but I certainly felt like the kind of the black sheep of the family. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I was the uh, outsider in that regard. And, and again, they didn't make me feel that way, but I just felt like that um, there was, I, I was constantly living in the shadow of their higher calling, so to speak. Yeah. And, and so I began to wrestle with this issue of, is there really a secular sacred parts of life? And, you know, are they, in the in the prime position of serving God as ministers, and I'm just out here uh, in this work world uh, trying to provide funds for them to do their work, and uh, so I wrestled with that for a number of years, and um, really surrounded myself with some people who I think had a, a much more biblical view of this than I did, and and certainly began to learn a little bit more about what the scriptures teach on the subject, and. Uh, very quickly came to understand that there really is no divide. You know, there should be no divide in our lives between what some would refer to as the secular versus the sacred. I believe that the scriptures teach that we are to live one life under the Lordship of Christ. Um, so there's uh, lots of passages of scripture that, um, that kind of support that. And, uh, but I think it is one of the greatest challenges to figure out how do we do that? You know, if we are indeed to live one life under the Lordship of Christ, what does that look like in a everyday practical way? And perhaps we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, these are, these are the challenges of, of our day for sure. Mm -hmm. So and if someone wanted to 
dig into that for themselves, what passages of scripture or where would you point them? Part of this conversation begins with understanding and having a right perspective of what work is. Like I said earlier, sometimes we can get a, a, a distorted view of work that it's, it's kind of a second class uh, position that some of us have while the rest of the, of, uh, the ministers are all out there ministering. And uh, I think if we go all the way back to, to Genesis chapter two, we would see that uh, in that passage, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So right from the very beginning, God saw that work is good. And that was before the fall of man. And so the idea that, that we have something to, to do with our hands and that there is a value in that is, is a perspective that I think we've got to have if we're truly going to acknowledge that God wants to be engaged with us in our work. And then I would say another one that comes to mind is out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. And uh, this is one where Moses is giving his instructions to the nation of Israel before they pass into the, the promised land. And he's just reminding the people of Israel who gives them what they have. And he says in this passage, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. So this idea that whatever skills, abil abilities, talents that we have, they, those too are from the hand of the Lord. And so, again, it, no matter what our perspective is on whether God's in, engaged with us in our work, the scriptures tell us that he is. I wanted to return to the idea of work being pre-fall. And then at some point, don't we see in Genesis 3 one of the curses? Uh, directly relates to work and uh, toil. Toil comes into the conversation about what work is and, and by the sweat of our brow. And uh, so there is work as God created it and intended it and intended it. And then there's work as we sometimes experience it. How, how do we make sense out of finding our way through that when, when work uh, sometimes is uh, at best, uh, drudgery. Yeah, you know, if it wasn't for the thorns and thistles, uh, <laughs> work, work would be uh, would be fun. Um, we all have to deal with the thorns and thistles. Uh, we have to deal with the uh, the fact that we live in a fallen world. The passage of scripture out of Romans eight, verse twenty eight, that says all things work together for those who love God and are called according to His purpose is true for all of us in that we live in this, in this fallen world and whatever thorns and thistles we deal with, these are still the things that God uses in our lives to grow us and to teach us and to conform us to the likeness of Christ. Well, I'm excited that the, the leadership of Fellowship Asheville and Weaverville are thinking about the things of work as ministry. And that's a long-term vision that over time, the, the people who make up those uh, vibrant faith communities that work would uh, begin to be transformed as they think about things. And I, I think that's part of God's work in transforming and healing Asheville and Weaverville and the region. Um, so that, that's a, that's a beautiful vision that the church has put uh, before us. Do you think it's fair to say that work itself then is transformed uh, 
as Christ uh, uh, comes into the life of a believer? That's a fascinating question. I think it's one that uh, I've pondered on a good bit, uh, even more recently, is uh, when we think about work, um, is it possible that we bring, through God's work in us, some redemptive quality to the work that we do in terms of its ability to, to bring transformation in our world. And I think that, it, that there's truth there. I think that um, certainly we know that, that um, no matter how hard we work at it to bring the kingdom of God to this world, that's ultimately God's role in, uh, in the end times. But uh, we do, I do believe that as we go about the work that he puts before us, that we have the opportunity to bring healing in places of brokenness, uh, whether it's in in uh, something that's broken physically or you know that needs fixing. You know, I think there's a redemptive work in fixing things that are broken, or if it's uh, healing a relationship that's broken, or um, finding ways to connect with people in ways that makes God known. Those are all. I think ways in which we bring uh, restoration and life back to the disorder and decay of our world. I want to begin to turn the conversation a little bit to the idea that we've got lots of people who are working from home in these days mm-hmm. and have exited their typical work environments. And how might that begin to get us all to rethink, well, what does faithfulness look like for me? Because I, in the coming weeks, I'm likely to reenter the work environment and and how can I come back to that uh, uh, environment uh, and be thinking about uh, what does my discipleship look like in the work context? How, do, how am I a Christ follower? Mm. You know, this is uh, such a disruptive time for all of us. Uh, we're dealing with things we couldn't conceived of uh, a few weeks ago. Um, the idea that we are working from home and perhaps even not working. Maybe we're laid off and, and struggling to make ends meet. And when I uh, think about those who are in a, a work, an isolated work environment where they're working at home, um, I would encourage them to just think about um, what might God be wanting to say or do in this respite, in this moment in time where you don't have to spend that half an hour on the road commuting to work, or you've got that extra time in the morning or evening to extend your quiet time with the Lord and really ask him, what do you want me to learn in this season, Father? How can I make the most of uh, these extraordinary times so that I can be drawn closer to you? If indeed his goal is to conform us to the likeness of Christ, then these are times when he can do that. when, when he wants to do that. And so as I think about um, these, these times of, of uh, different work environments, uh, I certainly know that he's got some practical things that maybe he wants us to learn about ourselves. You know, I, I think a bit particularly about those who may be furloughed or maybe have late, been laid off. Um, certainly anyone who's gone through that experience over their career uh, where they were laid off. The thing that, I think we have to deal with first and foremost is the issue of self-worth and, you know, how do I, how do I view this situation? Do I feel poorly about myself? Do I feel 
like I'm not worth anything to the organization and therefore I'm not worth anything to anybody. And so we can get into this spiral of thinking, downward spiral of thinking uh, poorly about ourselves. And I, I know that is not what the Lord would have us uh, see and think. Um, I think part of it is tied up. Well, I know it's tied up in our identity in Christ. And I think that when we, um, go back to the scriptures and allow ourselves to meditate and think on uh, the scriptures, we can recenter our minds so that we are remembering that, you know, we are Christ's new creation. You know, he created us and that we are new creatures in Christ. And this is where we should find our worth in, in our, in our relationship with the Lord. And I think of that, that phrase, the audience of one, you know, if we, if we could just simply recognize that there doesn't matter in this world who is pleased with us or who is not pleased with us, it only matters that our heavenly father is pleased with us. And um, no matter whether we're working in the job that we've loved and, and enjoyed or not working in it, our identity is really in Christ and not in our work. I know I've heard you talk a great deal about balance and I'm, I'm wondering about someone who has been working at home for a time and maybe has struggled for a bit, but has begun to find some balance in how work mm. and family life, either that or they can't wait, wait to get back to the office. <laughs> maybe I, don't, I don't know, but um, I guess there's a possibility of kind of going back to an old routine that they now are aware of. Maybe that really wasn't particularly a healthy place to be, or, or how could I be a healthier person? Uh, person who has a bit more balance about family and and all the other important things of life oh my uh you know yes we do spend a lot of time uh, in our conversations with ceos talking about the, what we call the balance wheel um every month we ask our ceos to evaluate their lives in uh, each of eight different categories and uh, these include things like uh, uh walk with god um family and marriage, um, things like health and recreation or um, rest and retreat, all of the things that perhaps are not usually thought of in a business context. But this is what, uh, you know, life looks like, should look like, I believe, uh, as we truly reflect the rhythm that God has built into us. We allow our world, our businesses to uh, suck the life out of us sometimes and uh, find that it's not the balance that God desires for us. And suddenly we have seen the balance come back through these last few weeks where, um, like I said, we were able to go for that long walk in the afternoon or uh, find more extended time with family around the dinner table or whatever. These are wonderful things. And they've suddenly helped us see that, you know, it's not impossible to have these things in our lives. So I, I think it is a great opportunity going forward for us to think differently about what work looks like, what uh, balanced life looks like, and to not lose the good things that have come out of this time away so that we can, we can live uh, that balanced life for a much longer period of time uh, in without being stressed and, and torn apart. Now, there's no doubt that the families that go back to work here in the near future who have kids at home, they've got a unique set of circumstances to deal with for the near future. And uh, 
this is going to take much prayer, um, much uh, support from the the family network, uh, from extended family. Um, there's no doubt that uh, we're all going to have to get creative and flexible in the days that are ahead. Um, I, I know that the the CEOs, business owners that I deal with, are more than willing to to try to find the flexibility that's necessary to to help uh, families navigate these crazy times. So we're all grateful to the folks who find themselves on the front lines. And there's a, a broad range of those people who are doing that kind of work. They're still working, but at, a, at increased risk to themselves and to their loved ones. Uh, they continue to work, but uh, they're doing it really for, to meet the needs of the rest of us in many ways. Mm-hmm. Would you, would you pray for people as they, navigate this in their range of circumstance and for their families. Would you Mm. end our time with a prayer? I'd love to. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Father, uh, we are so, so grateful to those who are um, still working and serving and uh, meeting the needs of their their, uh, brothers and sisters, their friends, their families, their coworkers and, and those in their community. Father, we, just are so grateful for their courage to be able to step into this uh, season uh, and to meet the needs of those around them. Lord, I I do pray against the enemy and those things that he might throw at us. The the issue of fear is real. And and yet I know that uh, in the middle of all of this, Father, you desire for us to to serve with, with power and of love and of self-control. And uh, so, God, I pray that each person who finds himself uh, leaving the home and going out into the workplace, Lord, that you would, uh, first of all, keep them safe, keep them healthy, Lord, help them to have an unusual resistance to, to this um, pandemic, Lord, that you would give them the ability to serve those well uh, and to do their jobs well and to be a great representative of, uh, of you in the workplace and uh, that they would demonstrate that, that love that you uh, have asked us to demonstrate. So thank you, Father, for uh, each one, and I pray that you would give them extraordinary insight into the needs that they see. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Bill. And we together we say to anyone who's out there listening, thank you for listening. Uh, please add to the conversation in the comments section. We'd love to hear your thoughts or any questions you might have. And Christ's peace to you all. Thanks, Tom. Thank you.